All right, well, either someone's playing a trick on me or I left two pages of my sermon in my office, so Tracy's going to see if she can find it. It's kind of important. Uh, yeah, we'll just wait. <laughs> well, the first part is really I, I probably could because I wanted to tell you all a little background, a little bit of history. Um, some of you already know this, so if you do, don't scream out, Justin, we know you have daddy issues. Stop telling us. <laughs> so, <laughs> some of these people haven't heard about them yet. And so, uh, so I do want to give you a little, bit of, a little bit of contrast to kind of, kind of my history. And I, and I believe, uh, and many times that I've given a, a bit of my testimony, I know it's kind of an ongoing joke kind of that you've got like to have some kind of sketchy past and get saved and have all this radical stuff. And that's not the case. The reason I, I tell my story, am I good? Am I, I feel hot, like real hot. Yeah, can you bump me down just a hair? Okay. It's really squilly. Thank you, T. I can tell them something now. So. Dismiss preschool? Oh, dismiss preschool. Preschool, get out of here. <laughs> Is that how you do it? Okay. Dis- <laughs> now we are dismissing preschool. Go to preschool. Out those double doors. Follow Tracy. All right. Good? Sorry. I was a little, I was a little thrown by missing half my sermon here. So, uh. I will tell you guys, Just uh, I'll try to keep it brief. I'm not going to give you my whole history, but I think it ties into what we've been talking about and what I want to talk about today. Um, and so uh, as we've been, really we're, we're leading up to what we're kind of going to be pushing forward as far as our church and the vision for our church in 2021. And a big part of that is understanding uh, how gifted we are in Christ. And then eventually we're going to break that down into individual giftings, what that looks like. But the very core of that um, is always going to come from our identity. Um, something that, that we learned over the years about being sons and daughters and understanding what real sonship is, not just uh, intellectually or theologically, but actually confirmed in the spirit that we are heirs and co-heirs with Christ, that we are sons and daughters of our, our Father in heaven, not just some angry God that you know Jesus stepped in his place, but a God that loved us from the beginning. Um, and so that, that is where I'm going to end up, but I want to start uh, giving you a, a brief, hopefully brief, history of, of myself. Um, uh, some of you know and some of you don't know, so just bear with me if you've already heard it. Uh, I, was, I was unplanned, for sure. I was supposed to be aborted. Uh, my, uh, my dad basically gave my mom money to call the doctor to get rid of me. Uh, I learned all this later, obviously, because I was not born yet, but I learned it later on in life. And, uh, and so, but I was told at a, at a pretty young age that, and I don't think I was told in order to make me feel bad, but ultimately that was one of the pictures that was painted for me when I was younger, that I ultimately I was not wanted and that my father didn't want me um, and I was unplanned and I, I, you know, that kind of went along with that. Now, as I grew up, I saw my dad uh, and I, you know, I don't want to say that my dad was a quote unquote bad man. My dad was a troubled man. He had a lot of issues. He grew up in a lot of foster homes and was abused severely in lots of different ways. And so from that place, his identity, he, he expressed that same things to us and our family. So there was a lot of drugs. He sold drugs. I saw, I, was see, I saw a lot of things I shouldn't see when I was younger. My mom was a little naive and thought that there was like lots of powdered sugar always on the coffee table, and it wasn't powdered sugar. And, uh, and so there was, there was lots of things that went on that were normal that shouldn't have been normal for, for kids to see. And so from that place, my picture of life was, was started to be painted, right? You're, you're young. You're impressionable. Um, adults would lie to me pretty often about things. I didn't like when my, my parents would fight. And so sometimes when they would drink, I, would, I was a kid, so I would say, hey, you know, I, I really don't like it when y'all drink because I end up having to be the referee in between you guys. 
And uh, so they would say, well, this is light beer. It doesn't have alcohol. And I was ignorant. I was like, oh, okay. Well, then it's okay. But it, <laughs> they'd still end up fighting. Um, and so there were all these different things that I grew up around that I saw that were, were this picture painted of, of who, I, who Justin was going to be, um, who I was going to be. Um, and so as the years progressed, as most young people do, you search for who you are, right? You just try to figure out who am I? How do I fit in this world? How do I fit in with people? And so as you go to school, and, and we went to different schools, we moved around a lot, I, I most of the time ended up back at my grandparents' house. That was our kind of uh, a safe place, I guess, um, in between. My dad left when, he, when, when we were young, and, and my mom remarried uh, my stepdad, and there was lots of different things that fell in between there, but the, the safe place was at my grandparents' house. Now, even then, um, my grandmother would just really take care of us, and my, my grandfather was just angry all the time, and I never understood. And that was another picture that was painted for me. I thought that all old people were angry. And so that was another thing. I was like, I don't ever want to get old, huh? That's just dumb. That's just dumb. <laughs> hey, hey. And so uh, I had, this, <laughs> I had this, this picture painted of all, like, old people that they were all angry and mean. And so I was like, I don't want to get old, you know? And married people fight all the time, so I don't want to get married. Like, this was young. Seriously, like, that's all I knew. And, uh, and, and all these bad things. So I kind of saw the worst in people for years. And so... As I did that, I tried to find my place, as I think most people do. I think it's pretty common. I don't think I was any different there. In schools, uh, we were, I say, I say poor, but now that I've gotten older, poor is relative. We've seen people much poorer than we were. But we were, I mean, we were on food stamps. We didn't have a lot of money. And so when you, when you, go, to, when you go to school and you don't have the clothes that other people wear, you get picked on and that kind of thing. And so living with my grandmother, she sewed and actually took home ec and, uh, and learned how to sew. And so she would show me how to do this stuff. So I would literally take my... Uh, my cheap clothes and so name brand tags on them to pretend like they were name brand, you know, clothes to try to be cool. And so I was trying to perceive some sort of image of fitting in somewhere. Uh, that didn't work. You know, I mean, I never really fit in there. And there was times when I started uh, uh, skateboarding and I wasn't very good at skateboarding. I tried, you know, BMX freestyle like bike stuff. And I, I, I was okay at that, but I wasn't that good at it. And then on to kind of being the outcast and fitting in with maybe the, the crowd that was a little more outcast. And then, you know, eventually I kind of landed on the funny guy. I was the funny guy. And so I would come around and people, you know, I would make people laugh and, and I kind of fit that, that image, you know, and that was kind of something that kind of shaped me. And it was also something that helped me uh, defuse a lot of bad situations when I was younger with seeing the things that I saw growing up with the, with the family. A lot of times I could interject humor and that would, that would bring, bring the level down. People that were angry would not be angry anymore. And so I used that as a tool in lots of different places. Now, unfortunately, I didn't have a healthy way to express that, so I also used it in, manip in manipulation. And so I would, I would use whatever, quote, unquote, gift I had uh, to try to make, uh, I don't know, to try to hustle or try to make money or try to make things happen. And so I would, I would use, I guess, personality or whatever it is to try to, to try to get my way and be, quote, unquote, happy. Now, ultimately, that brought me uh, to Alabama. I used to live in, in Louisiana. It brought me to Alabama. And trying to fit in over here, I didn't fit in either. And I, uh, I kind of grew up fighting a lot. And so that was another image. I tried to be the, the big, you know, strong guy that could fight or whatever. And then <laughs> I got, like, jumped at a party and got the mess beat out of me here uh, by several people. And it was a, an eye-opener that I wasn't, like, indestructible. Like, I wasn't, you know, as, as, as bad as I thought I was. It was a, a very eye, big eye-opener for me. And so all those images that I I'd, I'd tried to take and put on, were kind of like masks, right? They were just like, okay, this is what I want to be so that I can be a part of something, so I can feel like I, I belong somewhere. And it never fit. And what was interesting is when I eventually did, uh, uh, did get saved, when I was born again, uh, I realized that the reason why none of those fit is because none of them 
where my ultimate uh, image, where my ultimate identity, because my ultimate identity was a son of my heavenly father. That was above any of the other things. And there's nothing wrong with those. It's okay to be funny because um, I'm real funny. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. It's okay to be funny. It's okay to have talents, to do things, to, you know, whatever it is. But uh, one of the, speaking, you know, we prayed for Courtney too, but one of the, one of the more powerful messages we had at, at youth camp this year, um, Courtney told the, the kids the same thing, was just speaking on, on identity and, and speaking of these same things about, you know, our overarching identity is in Christ. I mean, that's ultimately who you are. That's, that's where everything should come from. And so that is, that is way up here. Everything else, there's nothing wrong with that. I even mentioned last week, you know, uh, my position here is, pa- is, is pastor, but that, my position is son. It'll always be son, whether I'm a pastor here or I'm doing something somewhere else. I'm, I'm going to speak the Father's heart to people anywhere I go. I don't know any other way to be. It's because it's who I am now. And so in the same way, regardless, I know my, and, and I gave you a real brief uh, covering of my history. Your history may not look anything. You may have grown up in church. There's nothing wrong with that. Our, defi- our, our, our deficits may be different in ways, but the solution's the same, right? So when we, when we find uh, basically a, a loss of identity, I think that we all have that. We, we, we all desire to know who we are and where we fit and, and what that looks like. And I think the beautiful thing about Christ is when he does, God, he's, he's, he's such a polite uh, but sometimes pushy father. He steps in and he gives you his identity. And it's such a beautiful thing that when, when, we, when we actually see it manifest in our lives, we go, oh, okay, this is what the Bible's talking about. This is, this is the reality that we find ourselves in that goes, okay, it's not just about trying to do these things so that we can gain something. It is actually understanding that Christ gives us new life right now. You know, we always joke around about heaven not being past that ceiling tile somewhere. Heaven is not a geographical location that you're trying to catapult people to, right? I mean, it's... Somehow, I don't know how we missed it, but somehow it was preached to me always that was the goal was to try to get people to heaven, but that was never Jesus' goal. Jesus' goal was for it to be uh, on earth as it is in heaven. It was his, wherever the king is, his kingdom is, and where his deposit says that the kingdom of heaven is not eat or drink, meaning it's not something physical, tangible that you can touch. It's righteousness, peace, and joy where? In the Holy Spirit. The kingdom of heaven is in the Holy Spirit. Where's the Holy Spirit? It's inside you. Right? Our, our goal as Christians is to find people and, and give them their identity, call it out of them, help them to see it, not to try to catapult them somewhere else to get them out of here. <laughs> that would be easier. I mean, honestly, we don't have to deal with people and all the relationship junk. <laughs> right? I mean, <laughs> I know that sounds, that sounds bad, but ultimately that was a lot of the uh, religious uh, direction that we had was we just want to check people off the list and get them, get them their tickets so we can move on to the next one. But that was, never, that was never the model that was given to us in Scripture. Jesus never did that. Jesus sat down and he ate with people. And he ate with sinners and he ate with Pharisees and he talked to people. And he, he, he spoke to them in ways that, that they could understand. If it was a general, he would speak to them like a, a general would speak. And if it was, you know, a person that struggled intellectually, he would get down on their level and he would help them understand. If it was someone that was being accused of something horrible, he would get down and doodle in the sand so he could make eye contact and show that he cared for someone, Right? And so the whole, the whole purpose of why we're here is not to try to catapult people out of here. It's to make people know that they are known right where they are. Like known, known, right where they are. That God knows them, and you can know him. That this whole picture, the whole picture that was painted for me of life and people, and now I don't, I'm not scared to get old. I, I can be funny and old. I don't have to be grumpy like Doug. And I can, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Doug's not grumpy. 
I just, I, I keyed, I keyed. Um, so, but all these pictures are painted. You know, marriage isn't fighting all the time, although it's not perfect, I know, but it's not yelling and fighting all the time. You know, it's not, all these things have, God has taken his time to take what's in here. And that was another thing that was a struggle for me to understand that when he, when he places this in our hearts, it's a done deal. The whole finished work thing, the finished work is there, the core. That's why we, uh, that's why we know that it's, we renew our minds, not our souls. Our minds are renewed from what Christ has deposited in us. I always look at it like hardware and software. The hardware is there. We, you get a new MacBook Pro and it needs an update like that. Same thing with us. Every day we need an update. But it, it's not necessarily information coming in and here. It's Christ depositing something here that's actually going the opposite direction. It's coming up here. And then from that place, then it goes out everywhere else, which makes much more sense. And, and honestly, if you look at a lot of Eastern cultures, um, they, will, they do the same thing. They, this, is the, this is who you are. That's why he talks about he, he places in our hearts. He doesn't say in our minds, in our hearts, and then our minds are renewed to the reality that's in our hearts. It's because the heart ultimately is your life source. It pumps the blood everywhere. It does all the things. It even reacts. I, I, some of y'all have heard this years ago when I, I studied as much as I could study the human heart, that it had its own firing system separate from the brain so people can be brain dead and still be alive because the heart functions on its own. It will operate outside of this. And even when, uh, even when I was getting deeper into to more and more studies, they were saying that the heart will actually react to something bad or dangerous. It will begin pumping faster before the brain recognizes that there's danger because it's, it's reacting to something that's going on, which helps reaffirm what the scriptures constantly tell us about God placing these things in our heart. It's not just physical heart, but it's our spiritual heart that goes to every bit of everything else that we do, once again, to our brain as well. And so, anyway, get off on that tangent a little bit, but ultimately it's our identity. It's, no, it's being known and knowing who God is. Now, one of the pictures that was painted to me of God, even younger, was that God was angry all the time. It, it necessarily wasn't preached that way like God's mad, but it might as well have been, Right? Everything that was uh, insinuated by the way that Scripture was, was given to me made me feel horrible about myself. And, and I don't know if you've ever been there, but being up to the altar, like getting, <laughs> getting saved over and over again and, and trying to figure out why I can never measure up to this, to this thing that is, is I so desire to be. You know, I wanted desperately to be more like Christ. And the problem with religion is it tries to, to, you tr- it tries to make you something that you're not where relationship allows you to be who you really are. It tells you, okay, no, you are loved. You are cared for. You are known. All of your faults, everything that you've ever done, everything that you're going to do, I know already, and I love you anyway. That changes people. You know, that, that, that is a transformation, not outward constraint. Outward constraint is limited in what it can do. It's limited. If I was just to tell you what you could and could not do, you'd be limited by me, ultimately, and that's not a good place to be because <laughs> I'm not that smart. I don't know everything. I'm still learning. I'm still understanding what all this means the same way that you are. So when we, when we, when we actually gain a perspective of the very image of God and, and the image that he's given us, all the way back from Genesis where he says, I've, I've created you in my image, and that word image in the Greek is icon, which is where we get the term icon. The icon's on your phone. You touch an icon and it opens up and it shows you everything that's inside of it. The, the icon is a, is a Greek word that really means the very character of God, not just that we have two ears, two eyes, a nose, and a mouth. It's not that kind of image. Icon is character, God's character. He has placed his character in you. I mean, wow. That's, that's a huge thing. He's, God has placed his character in you. He's given, he's given it as a free gift. Here you go. This is for you. Not something you have to work up and figure out and have to feel a certain way or 
you know, go to a certain place or do the certain formula. He's given it as a free gift. Here is my image I've given to you. Now, obviously, from the fall all the way back to redemption, Christ has given us back the thing that we lost in the garden. So that's done. That's a done deal. He's given us that identity back. The thing that he, God's heart from the very beginning, and it, like we've said so many times, didn't catch him off guard when we messed it all up. <laughs> he knew what was going to happen, and he had a plan for it from the very beginning. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. Jesus was the Word made flesh for us. And so the, 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 the picture that is painted for us as far as this Christian life goes should be one of a loving father. And I'm getting ahead of myself. Back up. I'm going to get there. Since Tracy gave me my, my sermon, I can maybe actually follow some of it. Uh, yeah, let me back up. I got way ahead. T, can you send me? <laughs> send me. <laughs> send it to me. <laughs> Give me my water. So my, like I was saying with my, my dad and my grandfather, I, I knew about them, but I never really knew them. Like I didn't, until after my, my dad passed away before Tracy and I got married and, uh, and I'd forgiven him and everything was, was, everything was fine with that, but I never really knew him, right? Like, and I've told you all the story about me uh, in high school when I was, not high school, I was in sixth grade when I failed the sixth grade because I was like getting real dark and depressed and everything. My mom, I went to a counselor and they said he needs to go see his dad. So they sent me to my dad who I didn't even know. And I remember sitting in a barn uh, up in Shreveport and him asking me why I wouldn't call him dad. I called him Wayne by his name. And he said, why don't you call me dad? And I said, I don't know you. I don't know you. I don't know you as dad. So I can't really, I can't give you that title because you've not been dad to me. And it hurt. I mean, we were both bawling, crying. And, and it was very, I, I could see that it hurt him too. And it wasn't my intention, but I just didn't know it any other way. And, um, but I didn't really know him. And same thing with my grandfather. I mean, I knew about him, but I didn't really know, know him, you know. We didn't really have any deep conversations. We didn't really get to know each other. He was just there. Um, when, when, you know, when my, my, uh, my grandmother was there, um, and then when she passed away, which was pretty tough as well, and I was in high school, then I kind of got shipped off somewhere else and ended up in, like, Decatur uh, because me and my grandfather didn't get along, and, and he was always grumpy all the time. And I didn't mean to look at you, Doug, when I said that. But... <laughs> <laughs> Doug's gonna Doug's gonna beat Fred up for this. I don't know. What's going on. <laughs> uh, Doug is probably the least grumpy person I know. So I don't know why we keep picking on Doug. He can take it because he's not grumpy, right? He can take a joke. So uh, so anyway, the same thing. And and this is a sidebar. I don't want to get too far on this, but speak speak the same identity and life into our young people. They're in a place right now. Uh, where social media especially uh, tries to define who they are, whether they're liked or not liked or whether something's going on or whether they feel accepted or not accepted. Now, if you haven't watched The Social Dilemma, I recommend you go watch it. It's very, very good. I mean, seriously, it's worth a watch. And there are algorithms at work against you <laughs> uh, right now. And, you're, you know, kids are checking their phones 43,784,000 times a day. And... That's whatever they're looking at. Sometimes reaffirm is trying to reaffirm a false identity, right? And so I encourage you guys to speak the the true identity into our young people because they need it, right? And not only do they need it, their friends need it. All right, sidebar. That was free. Um, all right, let's get into scripture. John seventeen twenty is where we're going to start. If you want to turn there, John seventeen twenty. This is coming on the tail end of Jesus praying for himself, 
then praying for his disciples, and then praying for you guys and me, right? It's one of my favorite scriptures. I've referenced this, I don't know how many times through the years, but it's, I just, I love, I love, speaking of pictures being painted, I love this picture that's painted for us and understanding that we are a part of something. And this is where our identity is. John 17, 20. It says, my prayer is not for them alone, and we'll kind of back up in a minute to show, meaning it's not just for the disciples alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. That's you and I. Verse 21, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I've given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I and them and you and me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. I love how he repeats himself like two or three times. I and them, them and me. I and them, them and me. He's making sure that we understand this is his point. Then the world will know, here's that word know again, the world will know that you sent me, and I have loved them even as you loved me. Does God love Jesus? Does God love Jesus? Do you think God loves Jesus? As he is, so are we. Where? In this world. You are, lo- you are known and you are loved right now, just like Jesus. That's something, that was one of those difficult things for me to really come to terms with. The whole understanding that I was bad or had done bad things or that I was a sinner, I, that, I could deal with that. But God loving me and knowing me, like right now, that was hard for me to reconcile. That was hard for me to deal with because I didn't always feel that way, right? Do you, do you always feel loved and known? No, we don't always feel that way. That's why you can't trust your feelings all the time. I always go back to the, hor- the, the scary movie thing. I hate scary movies. Um, I like suspenseful movies are okay, but I don't like the, like the horror movies. And what they do is they put a track and they dim the lights and your heart starts beating fast and all this stuff. And your feelings tell you that you're in danger and you're not. You're just watching a movie. If they could pan out and you could see the boom mic and all the people in the background, you, you, you would relax, Right. That's why we can't always trust our feelings in some of those areas. There's a truth that goes even beyond, especially our own opinions of ourselves. God gives us a greater identity than we can even apply to ourselves. All right, so he knows us. He knows us and he loves us. God loves Jesus. He lo- just as he is, so are we in this world. Verse 24, Father, I want those you have uh, given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you love me before the, before the creation of the world. Who did you love before the creation of the world? Jesus. As he is, so are we in this world. I love that. Verse 25, righteous father. I love that he uses the word father. Righteous father. Though the world does not know you, there's that word know again, I know you, and they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. What an incredible thing. How awesome is that? They didn't know you, but I know you, and I've made you known to them. And not only that, we're going to go to live with them. We're going to go to be with them forever. Verse 20. I'm sorry, not verse 20. We're going to back up to that, though. So when he says, uh, my prayer is not for them alone, um, I'm going to back up to, no, I'm not. We'll skip over. You, You know, you already know, basically, what he was saying is, earlier in the scripture, he says, I, I don't wish to take them out of this world. That's not my, my whole purpose is not to just snatch them out of the world. It's so that they can be in the world and just keep them from the evil one. We don't need to go through the whole scripture for that, just for time purposes. 
Um, I just wanted to reiterate that, that when he says that my prayer is not for them alone, he's meaning the same thing that was for them was for you, meaning he's not looking to snatch you out of this world. He's, he has a purpose for you right now. I just want to kind of reiterate that, and we don't have to go too deep into it. All right, what do we need to know about our Father God? Uh, John, you don't have to turn here. I've got a couple of scriptures. John 1.14 says, uh, The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Now, there's another scripture right below it, and, and John 1.17 says, For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Now, I've had people, specifically when we talk about um, grace and understanding what grace is, people say, well, yeah, grace, but we need truth also, grace and truth. Don't forget truth. But they say it in a way as though these two things are opposing each other or that they're going in different directions. They're not. It's pretty clear here. Uh, he's, he's contrasting the law through Moses and grace and truth through Jesus. And right before that, it says we've seen his glory, and in his glory is full of what? Grace and truth. What is grace and truth? Truth is grace, and grace is truth. <laughs> these, two, these things are going in the same direction. The, the truth is that God is full of love. God is, is uh, not lacking in any place, and he's given that to you freely. That's the truth. That's grace. Um, I love the story... Uh, of the prodigal son, and we're not going to go too deep into it, but I love the fact that uh, it goes out of it, that story. It resonates with so many people, and it's one of the, one of the I think a lot, one of the most popular stories in the Bible because people can really relate to it, where they've made a mistake and then they've been accepted again. And I love that uh, the father in that story is demonstrating the love of a father and is represented is representing God, the Father, and he doesn't bother with this guy smells bad because he's been feeding hogs. He smells like a pig pen. Um, he doesn't bother with the mistakes that he's made. He doesn't bother even listening to the guy's speech. I've sinned against you, and, I've, and he, he, doesn't, he doesn't bother with any of that. What does he do? Get him sandals for his feet, get him a coat for his back, and get him a ring for his finger. He's my son. Now, one of the things that um, I still kind of struggle with sometimes is people, and this just happened to me the other day, people were asking about what our girls were into. And I'm like, well, you know, trend into volleyball, I guess, and, you know, Jordan likes riding horses, and Kylie was a gymnast, but she's kind of into some other stuff, but we have to be careful that we don't just identify, especially our kids, by the things that they do. Ultimately, my kids are loved regardless of what they do. The same thing with, with this prodigal son that comes back. It's not this merit system that they have to, they have to define this secondary identity before I'll love them, and I don't know why. I guess that's something that we've maybe in our culture that we've done. If we feel like we have to have our kids involved in all this stuff for whatever reason, there's nothing wrong with some of these hobbies, but that's not their identity. And that was one of the things that I love that Courtney talked about at camp was, you know, we place these things on ourselves as though this is who we are. And uh, me and Patrick were actually talking about this the other day, uh, that we, we putting all this emphasis, and he even said the same thing, that he had always put this emphasis on his personality that it could not change. And it can. It totally can. You, we constantly change. We constantly grow. Even going through some... Uh, some marriage counseling we've given some young couples recently. We were talking about. They were like, well, you know, do you do you still love each other? Do you still do you love each other more than you did before? Did this all these questions? And and what we kept saying was, well, we're not the same people we were when we got married. So we love each other, not the same. We love each other differently because we're different. Twenty years ago, we were different than we are now. So every day we learn something new about each other, not because we didn't know it already. It's because we just discovered it ourselves, <laughs> right? So as I've changed, you know, I, we sh I share that with Tracy, and as she changes, she shares that with me. That's how relationships work. The same thing when we walk with, with God, 
we shared the things that we're going through and the things that we're dealing with, and God fills those areas for us. So if you begin to go in a direction and you're stressed out about God's will, and we've been through this a lot too, God's with you regardless if you, if you miss it or if you don't miss it. He's not like, oh no, this, you ruined it again. He's like, all right, well, let's get through this and get you back, you know, let's get you back doing something. He's with you. He doesn't go anywhere. He says he never leaves us or forsake us. He even says even if you go, and this is not, this is obviously you don't want to go into these places, but he says if you go join, join yourself to a harlot, I go with you. That's how, he won't, he's not, he's not intimidated by your mistakes. He's saying, I have an identity that's greater than, than your screw-ups, ultimately. I have something for you. I have an identity for you, and I know you enough to know that you are greater than you even think of yourself. Oh, I got quiet with no AC. Um, the prodigal son, people didn't, many people didn't accept him. His own brother hated him. Um, God loves people so much that he knows the only real way to keep people out of a hog pen is to feed them at his table. A father doesn't look for a perfect person. He desires a relationship with a son or a daughter. Just like he put the sandals, the coat, and the ring, he wasn't worried about the smells. He wasn't worried about the things he had gone through. He recognizes that there's a route that he has to get to to actually change a person, and it's not just based on the outward appearance. Unfortunately, within many experiences that I had in church growing up, is they wanted to, or I felt like, I don't want to say, I don't want to put that on anybody because that may not have been their intentions, but it felt like I needed to get cleaned up before I could ever go in. Um, we've dealt with other ministries that, that reach out to people, and, and the frustrations they have is similar in some of the, the inner city uh, outreaches that we've done. Uh, they would get people to come in, and some of the guys would like sag their pants, and they wouldn't let them come in the church. I was like, how are these people ever going to change? How are they? Why are you so concerned with the way that they wear their clothes and you're not concerned with what's going on in their hearts and they're coming to walk into the church so that they can hear the good news of the gospel and you're, you're turning them away because of something that you just disagree with? And there's a problem when, when our rules override our desire to love people. To me, that ceases to become a ministry. I think this is what Jesus' frustration with the Pharisees was over and over again. I desire mercy over sacrifice. I desire you to care for the widows and the orphans, not this whole system that you've created to crush people under a weight that you can't even bear yourself. Lord forbid we ever become a church that does that. Patrick? I'm going to re-say it again. In case you guys didn't hear it the first time. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, am I on? Okay, cool. I'm not used to speaking through a microphone. So. You're good. Uh, but uh, it's just like healing on the Sabbath is not actually an old covenant thing. I read it in my study Bible this morning and thought it was very interesting. The fairies, uh, the fairies. <laughs> <laughs> That's their new name. They are now the fairies in this church, in case you were wondering. <laughs> the Pharisees created that rule. Uh, so it was a man-made rule, and when when man makes rules to try to supersede what God has put into motion, it just doesn't. It never ends sense. well, right? It never ends well. It's right. like, why are you trying to go against God? Right. It's just like when uh, and I, I know I keep I know I'm going on a whole spiel here. Uh, it's just like in um, in Acts, you know the the Pharisees brought the disciples in front of the Sanhedrin and. Uh, they were, you know, why are you teaching in Jesus' name? We already told you to stop. Like, all right, we'll go outside. We're going to keep discussing this. And one of them was like, 
guys, if this is led by a man, it's going to fail. Yeah. But if it's led by God, we can't stop them because we're yep. fighting God. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you can't fight God, you're going to lose. Right. That's true. You, you brood of vipers, you fairies, <laughs> you shut the kingdom up. I'm going to scratch out Pharisees everywhere in my Bible, but fairies now. Little wings. Fairies. Woo, good times. All right. This is a, uh, I believe it's pronounced Capon, but I like Capone better because it sounds gangster. But it's Robert Farrar Capon, but I say Capone because I like it. Robert Farrar Capone, if you've not read any of his stuff, he is one of the most colorful grace writers that I've ever read. And this will give you a good example of the way that he writes. He says, uh, Grace doesn't sell. You can hardly even give it away because it works only for losers and no one wants to stand in their line. <laughs> the world of, listen to this, the world of winners will buy case lots of moral advice, grosses of guilt-edged prohibitions, skids of self-improvement techniques, and whole truckloads of transcendental, transcendental hot air. But it will not buy free forgiveness because that threatens to let the riffraff into the supper of the Lamb. Word. <laughs> and that's true. And it's what, what I found a lot when, when I first began to, uh, after I got saved and I knew something radical had happened, but I kept going to churches and feeling like I didn't fit in again. And I think ultimately the reason was is because there was, there was this man-made religion that had, had permeated uh, the new covenant Christianity that I, I was feeling and, uh, and understood, not just feeling, but had, was a reality to me. And it was frustrating but I didn't know why. I didn't know what to call it. I just thought, I'm dumb. They're smart. It must be me, right? And so that's the way I felt for so long. I was like, well, I'm just not doing enough. I'm not, and I don't know if you've ever felt that. I'm not doing enough. I'm not good enough. I'll never, I'll never measure up. And so it was this vicious cycle of trying and trying and trying and trying. And like I said, getting saved over and over again and confessing sins that I thought maybe I forgot to confess and all these things. And it was, the, it was all, like we talked about last week, it was all based on me. It was all, the, my, the whole religion was all self-centered, Self-referential. It was all about me. I haven't done enough. I got to do more. And and even and even the times when I would do more, I would begin to feel proud and boast, like being self-righteous. And I was like, ah, like I couldn't win. <laughs> it's like now, now I can't even. You know, it says not to boast. I'm like, I don't, I don't know what to do. And everything was right in front of me to reconcile that, and it was Jesus. It was right in front of me. It was Christ being Christ-centered, not me-centered, not religion-centered, being relationship-centered. And so uh, the, truth, the, the truth is uh, that we are to receive the grace and to distribute. We talk about being an R&D church. You're, you're, you're supposed to, the, the, the perfect plan is for us to receive the love that the Father has for us and distribute it to other people, and it's as simple as that. Um, not based on our opinion of people, but based on his opinion of people. How many of you know that God has a different perspective than you do? And how many of you know that when you gain his perspective, things change? We, we can't try to limit God's percep or we can't try to limit God to our perception of his reality, ultimately. We've got to receive his perception of his reality right now on the earth. On earth, where? As it is in heaven. So when you see people, you say, okay, how does God see this person? And I guarantee you, your, your perspective will change. How does God see this person? How does, how does the Lord, how does, and, and we even talked about it after worship, we love because he first loved us. How can I love this person 
when I don't possess the power to love this person through this situation, I go to God because that's my source, not me. I go, I go to, to, where I, to where I can be filled infinitely, and I never run out. Bucket after bucket after bucket after bucket, and I never run out, and I give it away freely. Just throw it at people. Not the bucket, just the water. You want to throw the bucket at people, but you need to look through God's perspective. Don't throw the bucket at people. Probably. All right. So. <laughs> Hang on, I'm getting a text from Brian. Maybe he's telling, maybe he's just sending me something funny. No, we'll never know. All right. It was a picture, but it didn't have anything to do with this. So we're praying. I don't know if you're watching or not. All right. Um, so I was hoping it was an update on Courtney, but I hadn't heard. Uh, wow. Um, <laughs> add some stuff from Ephesians. We'll have to get to that later. Let's just go to... How do you want to do this? All right, let's, we're going to jump back to John 17, 25. You don't have to turn there if you want to. You can trust me that I'm reading Scripture. I'm not just making this stuff up, but you can if you like. Um, it says, Righteous Father, and we already read this once. It said, Righteous, uh, righteous Father, remember that. Through, uh, though the world does not know you, I know you. And they know that you have sent me. And I've made you known to them. I will continue to make you known to them in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. Now, the word know there is the Greek. I'm, I hope I don't mispronounce this, but I'm a egnon, E-G-N-O-N, egnon. Uh, but the word, it's, it's the word know there, and it's used five, five other places in the Bible. And it's funny. Um, I didn't even realize it, but it was the word that was used in what we talked about last week about uh, the different the talents or the bags of gold that were given. Do you remember the last guy said, I know you, and I know you're a man who reaps where he doesn't sow and all that. I know you're a hard man. That's what he said. He said, I know you're a hard man. It's interesting that that was the one that rejected the gift. That was the one that didn't inherit the kingdom. And it, the, I think a, a big part of that was that he did not really know the Father. Because he says, I know you, and I know you're a hard man, and that's not the Father. That same word know there, he thought that he knew God as a hard, a, a, a mean per, or a mean God, a mean, angry God. And the other two completely trusted the father, and they invested the money, right? It's the same exact word there, that he's, he will be made known. And so it says, righteous father. That's how we are to know him as father. And that was back in Matthew 25, 24. It says, the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew. That word knew there is the same, that you were a hard man, and that is not true. The issue was not a lack of gifting it was or talent, which is me-centered, Right? It was a lack of, of trusting a good father, which is Christ-centered. The issue with, with the parables was not that he wasn't gifted enough in a certain area and that he's going to go to hell with weeping and gnashing of teeth because he didn't utilize his giftings, which is crazy to think about, but that's the way we interpreted it, right? It's actually saying, no, he never received the, the gift. He never really knew God as father. The same scripture, you know, the scripture that talks about depart from me, I never knew you, right? I never knew you. Know is an intimate term, like I know you. It's a relational term. It's the same thing. He's saying, look, but, but the good news is, the flip side to that is, because of Christ, we can come to the Father. We can come to the throne with boldness now, with no condemnation to say, I do know you and you know me. That's the good news. That's the gospel. You are known. And he has made himself to be known. So we have three points here. And you, this is rare, so I don't normally give three points, <laughs> three points in a sermon, but I do have three points here. 
uh, from verse 25, it says, we, we know him as father, righteous father. We should, we should know that you have a loving father. You should know that your father is a loving father. He is not, he's not reckless. He's not a hard person. He is kind, and he is generous, and he's patient. And he has the whole, all the gifts of the Spirit, those come from him, long-suffering, all these things, peace. Those are gifts from him, not peace like the world knows it, but peace as he gives. Not joy that's wrapped up in shame and guilt the next day because you've made some mistakes, but pure joy that you don't have to be worried about the next day. You don't have all the ill effects of a fake joy of trying to shortcut the Holy Spirit. You can go to the Father and say, no, I don't have to try to do this myself to please myself because I know my Father has my best interest. So I can operate from that place. Number two, we know him as good. The world will know that you sent me and that I've loved them. Uh, Verse 23, even as you have loved them. We have to recognize that he is good. Number three, we know that his love is given to us to work through us to others. Verse 26, I have made you known to them, and I will continue to make you known. He's not stopped. Just because he sat down, it just means his work was finished, but he's continually praying for us. He is continually reaching out to you daily, moment by moment. It says, in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. Thank God that he sent his Holy Spirit. He didn't just leave us with rules on rocks. <laughs> he said, I'm going to write my laws where? On your heart. You're going to know me, and I'm going to know you. And these things that you do will, will begin to come, become more natural to you in your new man. They won't, be, they won't be as stressful. They won't be as frustrating. You'll be able to take a deep breath and go, you know what? This is the will of my Father, and he knows what's best for me, and I'm just going to walk in, this, walk in these ways. And it's going to ultimately benefit you and all the people around you. You'll be the one everybody wants to invite to the barbecue. <laughs> like, oh, this, this guy's awesome. Every time he shows up, or this girl, or this, this lady's awesome. Every time she shows up, it's like the atmosphere changes. It's like something happens in the room, and it's because you carry the same spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead. It's a pretty neat thing. It's, you know, a smile is a smile, but when a smile comes from the Holy Spirit, it, it, can, it can radically change the atmosphere of a room. Something as simple as that. Listen, as we move forward into the new year, new year, new year, new you. So move forward in the new year. Um, what we do is we're going to continue to help you understand who you are in Christ. And we will get into more details about giftings, but those are all secondary to your, the, the greatest gift there ever was. And that's Christ in you. And that's the source of where we find all things. One of the, the fears that we have on the front side of a lot of these things that we I feel like we've preached for probably two years now, I think you guys know, that we don't, want you, we don't want anyone in here to find their identity in church work, right? Because what happens when something goes wrong or you get offended or I say something stupid, then you quit and you hate God for some reason because I'm an idiot, right? <laughs> well, not just me, but other people too. Um, but don't, the reason I say that is because we don't put our faith in a system or in me or in anybody else or in a specific personality, although we want to to lead in, a, in the best way that we possibly can, but we're also leading by building, uh, building up underneath you guys so that you have a foundation that you guys can operate. Because ultimately, that's the only reason we're here. The only reason we're here is because, the, because of the church body. The only reason we do this every Sunday and every Wednesday and we, we have these meetings and we plan and do all this stuff is because our only desire is to see you guys know, be known and know Christ more and more every day. And from that place, it's pretty cool because we're all different. We're like fingerprints, right? So we get to see, you know, I really never heard Lauren sing until this morning. And, you know, just I, I, I have the luxury of, of coming up here early. And, you know, when I'm done pre- getting everything prepared and everything for my sermon, I come in here and I walk around and just pray. 
And just, you know, hearing her gift of, of just singing and worshiping is just really cool. It's really awesome. Um, and it's not like, man, I, now we have another, you know, person on the worship team that's like a checkoff, like, sweet, we got another person on the worship team. No, it's like, wow, she gets to express a gifting that God's given her, and that's just one way that she does it. Another way, which I meant to announce earlier, is praying. So at the end of the service, we're going we're gonna to have these guys up here to pray for you, and it's one of the, one of the areas that they're gifted in that... Uh, Take a breath, Justin. Daniel and Lauren are gifted. <laughs> so as we move forward, uh, we know where our source is, right? It's not just in the things that we do, but there's things that need to be done. You know, in the family, we take the trash out. And if I don't, I'm reminded. <laughs> and then if I still don't, then I'm reminded again. No. But there's, <laughs> we're not going to go down that road. So there's, there are things that need to be done, and the, and the things that we come from, we're not working to gain anything, but there are things that we have to, that are just basic stuff that we need to do. Um, but the cool thing is we can do them with a smile on our face and have a blast doing them. It's, this shouldn't be a, a, a begrudging thing or something that is super stressful, hopefully, that we can actually work together, and it helps people because when we have, when things begin to operate, you know, we're trying to ramp up and get ready for children's church, we're getting some curriculum, we're getting some, some structure there to kind of help people and walk alongside people to train people to help in some of these areas, it's for you guys' benefit, too, so that you can come in here and, and listen and, and get prayed for and stuff. And, you know, I love our kids, but I remember when our kids were little and they're tugging, you know, you're trying to get prayed for and they're tugging at you. And, you know, it's, sometimes it's difficult. And it's, it's good that we can have areas where they're not just being babysat, but they're actually being taught something as well. And they're learning their identity much younger than I did. And so that's a cool thing. Same thing with youth on Wednesdays. I encourage you to come on Wednesday nights. Uh, I mean, it's just... There's, there's stuff that we can talk about in here that's good, but it's even better when you can get in a little bit smaller setting when Buddy's in here preaching and going through uh, and just basically doing a lot more expository, pulling, pulling scriptures and breaking them down and, and helping us learn more. Um, and it's a very good thing. Same thing with youth upstairs when we get to have these discussions and, and we talk about the things that kids are going through and these identity struggles and different things that they're like, you know, they're being pushed from every different direction. We can, we can try to lay a foundation of who they really are in Christ. So all these things work together, and, and it, it can be fun. It can be a good thing, and it's, it's awesome. So, yeah, so those are my three points. I don't have a poem, but uh, I was going to discuss a little bit, but we're a little bit over. So we'll, maybe we can discuss next week a little bit more. We may just have a whole Sunday of discussion. Y'all want to do that? Yes. Would y'all be cool with that? I mean, what? Jesus. <laughs> I'll... I'll bring a subject similar to what the direction that we're going. We can talk about kind of what we talked about today since we didn't get a chance today. And, I mean, we'll, we'll, I'll bring a, a, a subject to talk about, and I'll probably say something, but maybe we can have a little more time to discuss it because I know you guys have things to say as well. Yes. Wait, I don't know what you're talking about. Okay, so, like, you have the Oh, oh, like send it out. Okay, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. All right, hang on. I got you. Read John 17. Yeah, read John 17. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we, we'll, we'll, we'll just jump off this because there's, there's a lot more than I could cover. I, I skipped two pages. You're welcome. There's a lot more that we could cover. No, I'm serious. Like, there's a lot more to cover. Just go to John 17 when Jesus prays for himself, prays for the disciples, and praise for everybody else, and we'll just discuss that. We can springboard off that, and we'll see where the Holy Spirit takes it. If, if y'all are cool with that, I think it'd be, I think it's fun to kind of change it up a little bit too, 
and it helps you guys, especially if there's questions that you have. And I think it's good, just like you said, start thinking about it now. Read it now. Pray about it. Maybe you'll see something else or see another scripture somewhere else that ties into it, right? All right, y'all do that. Stand up with me. Um, and I want to encourage you guys, if you do have any, any kind of, uh, look, if, if you don't know, if you really don't know the love of the Father, if you've ever struggled with that, if you just need a reminder, if, you, if you've never been born again and you just need to, to settle that, we want to talk to you. We want to hang out with you. We have time. Um, Lauren and Daniel will be up here. Um, if you need, me or Trace will be up here. If you just need to talk or whatever's going on, we're, we're here for you. Um, so we'll pray. And even though we're dismissed, you, you know we never really leave. We just kind of hang out in here. So y'all will be around. So Father, we just, uh, we love you. I thank you that you, you don't just, uh, you don't just give us rules to abide by, but you give us your heart. And so that we, when we, when we operate from you, um, and then we begin to read the scriptures and we see what, what your love looks like, it, it becomes life to us. And we just, we, we, we desire more and more of it. And it's not this burden that, oh, I've got to read a couple, a couple chapters today to, to meet my quota. It's like, I can't wait to see how much God loves me again in the scriptures. I can't wait to see, you know, all these stories about um, a loving father and how Jesus has translated that into, into the Holy Spirit that now lives inside us. Lord, I thank you that you are a good father, or that we can call you dad. Just as I, I struggled to call my own earthly father, I don't struggle to call you father because I know that you're good. I know that, that you know me. You know every part of my being, and you love me anyway. Lord, thank you that we can express that same love to you. In Jesus' name, amen.